Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you can find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Feel free to connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by the man who trademarked all of the potential Washington Redskins names, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, that guy's a genius. There, you know, when I was in high school, I was convinced that I was going to make lots and lots of money off doing exactly that. Um, you know, I, I think it, it never listened to the show, I doubt. But maybe as a friend of ours, Nick Britton and I had um, had schemes. I don't know between the two of us because Nick was the web guy back then. Um, you know, how many we actually registered, but we talked about a lot of them. I, I, I will talk at some point on this podcast in length about Stall Street Journal, which is just a great business idea, and I was going to build into an empire and had that domain uh, finally expire after like a decade. But that's not here nor there. My dad, a lifelong Washington Redskins fan, I'm excited to see um, that it's changing. Curious to see where it'll go. It feels like the Madden NFL new franchise expansion options. Some of these that they're discussing, um, but you know, I'll throw my hat behind uh, what, like what Kevin Durant uh, endorsed the the Red Wolves, uh, the Washington uh, Red Wolves. Either way, I think it's awesome that they are doing something about it. Something that's been asked for 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 years, if not decades. Um, so so good for them, I guess. Better late than never. And uh, very 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 curious to see. But hey, it's a business opportunity. Everyone's got to rebuy new merch. My number one. Option. I'm I'm a Washington Red Tails kind of guy. Honor the Tuskegee mm. Airmen is, is something mm-hmm. that, and I also think it would be incredible if they went the Washington Red Coats. I think that'd be hilarious. Uh, <laughs> just just to just a thumb in the eye. So I, I don't know why it's it's just no, they shouldn't do that. But I think it'd be hilarious. So there, that guy who bought all of the domains, he also bought. He's he's really ready for it. And I think the best single best option, the Washington Radskins, which is just just brilliant to me. I hope they. Oh, the Redskins? No, we're the Redskins. That's just... Uh, <laughs> that I don't know. <laughs> ra- the the Redskins sounds like that anti-drug hip-hop dance group they brought to your fourth grade class. <laughs> like, that's what the Redskins f- sounds like to me. I feel like you have to say it in a cheesy, as too cheesy uh, pseudo-radio guys. You Tim, have to s- and we're the Redskins. <laughs> we're here to tell you to say no to drugs. Yeah, it's it, exactly. It's either that or it's like the cheesy character, you know, like from the TV show who, who is the radio host guy. Like, all right, now on WWZ, you know, like it, it is as you know, like I said, it's two cheesy radio guys uh, both here talking on this podcast. I 100%. think you know, business opportunities could await us for the Radskins. You know what? We're just going to make a Radskins podcast. I don't know what it's going to be about. Maybe it'll be oh, men's skincare. Radskins coming to your podcast feed, uh, never, because that's a terrible idea. So, uh, in, on a more serious note, that that kind of leads us to what we're going to talk about for a lot of uh, today's show. So, uh, on Monday, the University of Texas um, and, and interim president of the University, Jerry Hartzell, put out a, a letter, a long letter, and, and a list of things that are going to be changes that 
are made in response to the requests of students and student athletes alike. Kind of the student athletes were the tip of the spear, but it wasn't just the students or the student athletes. It was uh, additionally student groups as well. Um, and they published the list to foster a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive environment for black students. And again, they they responded to many of the issues raised by the students and actually uh, did some additionals. I think that's probably part of the negotiation process. So allocating a multi-million dollar investment from the athletic revenue to worthy university programs that work to recruit, attract, and retain and support black students that will include uh, expanding social outreaches in Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio to recruit from underrepresented groups uh, in addition to some private scholarships to recruit students. I think there was a number of like 1,900 Black students were admitted but chose to go elsewhere, which is an interesting uh, interesting statistic to bring up. Uh, expanding programs that provide transformative opportunities for future black leaders and creating a new program to help uh, students position themselves for post-graduation success. Uh, a better plan to recruit, uh, develop, and retain faculty members to bring diversity. Uh, refocus and resharpen were the words that they used, the diversity and inclusion action plan that was established about three years ago expanding the University of Texas Austin, uh, at Austin Police Oversight Committee to include a broader range of students and community members. Actually, Caden Stearns is one of those additional students that has been added to the Oversight Committee. Uh, Robert Lee Moore Hall will be renamed as the Physics, Math, and Astronomy Building. Um, T.S. Painter and Littlefield will not be renamed, um, but there will be the Herman M. Sweat entrance to T.S. Painter, which will kind of serve as the main entrance of that building. There's also going to be inside the building an exhibit that's going to tell the story of Sweat versus Painter, which was a Supreme Court case that actually helped pave the way to uh, Brown versus Board that initially uh, forced desegregation of schools in the United States. Um, educating our community and visitors about the history and context of many of the names that remain, again, Littlefield Fountain, uh, the statue of Jim Hogg, the Below Center, um, and the pedestals uh, around the tower that no longer have Confederate statues. They were taken down about three years ago. On the athletic side, uh, we are getting a statue of Julius Whittier at Daryl K. Royal. Um, this was a shocker to, I think, a lot of people. Uh, renaming uh, Joe Jamail Field, which is actually done at the request of his family to honor Ricky Williams and Earl Campbell, the two Heisman Trophy winners and obviously two black men um, that played at the University of Texas. That was a shocker to a lot of people. And then... Um, they will not be naming, re, uh, changing the alma mater. Here's the, I wanted to read the quote from, it's going to be a long one. Uh, own and acknowledge and teach about all aspects of the origins of the eyes of Texas as we continue to sing it moving forward with the redefined vision that unites our community. The eyes of Texas in its current form will continue to be our alma mater. Uh, aspects of his origin, which whether previously widely known or unknown, have created a rift in how the song is understood and celebrated, and that must be fixed. It is my belief, this is Hartzell speaking, uh, that we can effectively reclaim and redefine what the song stands for by first owning and acknowledging its history in a way that is open and transparent. Together, we have the power to define what the eyes of Texas expect of us what they demand of us, and what the standard they are held to as of now. The eyes of Texas should not only unite us, but hold all of us accountable to our institution's core value. But we first must own the history. Only then can we reimagine its future, and I look forward to partnering with our campus community to do just that a lot of the requests the players made uh, were agreed to. Again, there were some negotiations happened. I think we all knew that a, don a donation to a political organization from a state-run university was not going to happen. So the the reallocating of, but they only asked for a million dollars and, and multi-million dollar donation is a bigger number. So I'm okay. I think a lot of people are okay with that. So Kyle, as you read through this list and as you think through the last 
several weeks uh, of conversation around it, man. What is your just what's your reaction to the changes? Do you feel like it's enough? Do you feel like uh, it speaks and serves the need? Like what what's what's your read on it? I would be foolish to ever say it's enough, right? And feel that I, I have a you know a, an opinion to be able to to say that something is enough. I will say it's great. It's fantastic progress. It's heading in the right direction. Look, I, w- I want to go back a little bit and think back when when I was in in college and, and through some of the things I did in, in student government and various uh, organizations on campus. I got to work with with at the time Dr. Gregory Vincent, who was the vice president um, for the division of diversity and inclusion. I believe I think that's Dr. Leonard Moore's now the vice president. And, and and I mean, UT has thought about this for a long time. Have they been perfect at it? Absolutely not. Has it been a priority to some extent? Um, you know, this has gone back some time, right? My, my wife has often talked to me about the black student experience at a school like Baylor, right? Where, again, the percentage and especially the number at a smaller school is even smaller. Um, and just some of the things that I took for granted going to, you know, uh, the flagship state school in the 2000s um, at UT at a, at a private school where that wasn't necessarily required, she didn't have access to like i think to just the the physical spaces like the the x lounge and i think to um you know some of the the organizations on campus and the the you know just the opportunities available ut certainly was a leg up and in for her to hear me talk about that like wow that would have been so cool to have that at baylor at that time again she was a little after me but in, in the same time frame so i will say that right let's give ut some credit that they have thought about this for a while, but there was clearly a gap identified by many, many people, not just the student athletes who brought forth uh, requests, but but many students. I mean, there's a fantastic article on, on um, burn origination by one Gerald Goodrich that you could read about specifically the eyes of Texas and tying in on some of, uh, I won't speak to take your words, but some of the um, statues and just the overall you know atmosphere of campus that you may not really think about or know if you aren't specifically African-American and a student at UT. Um, So all that's a long way to say that I think this is great. I think this is fantastic progress. I think, um, you know, specifically like, you know, sharpen and refocus their, their, their inclusion plan, Um, you know, looking at retaining the best professors. And, and, And sometimes it's not just, hey, we want the best black professor sometimes it's what are our policies that might not be make us competitive right like you know there's you know are we funding certain things that you know a a candidate is saying i don't want to be associated with this school if you're doing this it's bigger right i think some people read those and just read them as oh that's a nice throwaway of course we want to be better statement but hopefully if they take that seriously and, and you know that can have huge implications i think you know recruiting and then of course retaining students um is a huge uh factor you want ut to be premier a state as diverse and large as Texas, the premier isn't always a white kid, right? It could be an anyone kid um, from anywhere. So I, I just I, I hope that the next step is is they follow up on this and we see um, some change. I mean, I, I think the, the the banner one is is thank God uh, RLM has been changed. I, I don't you know the law school still has not been changed. Um, for some reason, I was on campus when the Simpkins name change happened. I thought. They actually did all of those. I, I thought, you know, those were all changed uh, at the same time, right? You know, it is beyond time. These are conversations that people have been asking for. So, you know, that might be the next uh, threshold to cross. But I do think um, the, the RLM no longer um, being just, I think, for the time being, it's the math and science or whatever building. Um, 
or physics, math, and astronomy building. Um, but, you know, like I said, I, I, I think it is great. I will say that. I'll put a cap on it. We could talk more specifically, but I'll say that for me, when I heard this come out, um, you know, Monday, uh, I instantly was reading each, you know, of the next bullets and saying, okay, that's good. Oh, that's great. Or like, oh, you know what? That's, was that even more than they asked for? There were certain areas um, that they went. Obviously, the whole conversation will be around the eyes. We can talk about that. But let's let's take a moment, and I hope all of our listeners do too. Um, this this is something, and, and it isn't nothing. It's not a small, insignificant thing. This this matters, and I think this will um, be a very good big first step i will be very curious and watching um you know with very uh, peaked interest on on what the next steps are yeah and i think i think that's a that's a good way to to say that because like you know brian carrington on twitter you know said this is uh this is the beginning of something like we made progress and this is a pivotal first step right as you want to change the conversation and change the identity you have to take a first step and i think you know thing, things like I, I, there wasn't even a, a thought in my mind for them to do a monument to the, the precursors, which if you don't know who the precursors mm. are, they're the first you know, black students to graduate from the university. So, like, the fact that those things are happening. Now, I do have some questions about the, you know, why change RLM and not painter. Like, I, I do have some questions about the conversations around that that, you know, maybe we'll never know. Um but I think the way that they're they're changing the the painter building, I think, is uh, part of the, you know a great part of the conversation to happen. And I really do think that um, you know, this is this is an incredible first step. And you know, like you mentioned, as somebody who wrote more than a thousand words on why I felt like the eyes of Texas uh, was was ripe for a change, um, the fact that they're no longer requiring student athletes to stand and sing for that is is a thing and it's something that i think um is a positive step in the right direction players have already come out and said you know caden Sterns and josh thompson both said they're not going to to stay and sing it and that's now a choice that they have and i think that's part of i think that's part of the the needed change is that forcing them to stand and sing is 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 a thing whereas you know giving them the option like hey this is not something i want to do is is an okay choice again this is the united states you have the freedom of expression so i think if they choose not to that's completely up to them and i think more so than anything else and i've said this before having to wrestle with the the past and the history of the university is is part of that first step right people you know will up until this point i think a lot of people went to the stadium and sang the song without really thinking about you know its roots and and they walked past buildings named for you know robert lee moore and they didn't think about it. And so I think having to think about it and having this conversation uh, is important. I think it's a good first step uh, and I'm excited to see uh, how this continues. And, and one of the things I've loved about this season is just not just at Texas, but players around the country realizing the, the cachet they have and the value they have. I mean, Mississippi changed its state flag because the best player in the state said, I'm not going to play. And they changed the state flag because of it. <laughs> like that, like, that is the level of influence that these players have, and I and I, I hope they don't they continue to realize the impact, and not just for you know race relations, but you know there there are a thousand and one other important things: poverty and homelessness, and you know food insecurity in, in schools, and like there's all sorts of things that I I would absolutely love to see these players leveraging their platform to affect positive social change. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. I mean, I'm going to give you a, a heavy one and then a light one. I, there was a it just kind of related to what you were saying there a little bit. There's um, 
been some conversation during this whole when it was announced from the players versus now um, that period there was kind of uncertainty in the fan base I don't want to say split but it, you saw people coming from different directions and, and um, there was a discussion of how this might be cancel culture and my favorite quote on that comes from um, her name is Kate Mann she's a, um, a, a think a professor at cornell uh, she said when you're accustomed to undue deference criticism criticism feels like cancellation um which is just like i, I don't know how you can make nine words or ten words say that much that was beautiful but then on a lighter note gerald um i'm just going to throw this out free idea here you have two woke nerds uh you're obviously a man of of taste um the precursors sounds like the most fire graphic novel if you want to you know get a get an illustrator and write the uh, the precursors uh graphic novel about the the experience of those actual superheroes who went through i'm sure uh, i'm actually really curious to see that exhibit in here because that's not something i knew about before all of this which i might be a little embarrassed to say but um just very cool right and and um the the other thing is is i think you know julius whittier statue is fantastic like let's make that a part of our history to, to look at the athletic side um i would have not hated you know naming one of the end zone i I've said many times I'm a soccer fan, right? And a football in the English sense of the word fan. They name their stands, you know, after famous players or coaches. I wouldn't have hated a Julius Whittier South End Zone, but um, I think it's a great uh, thing to, to make that a part of, of what they teach um, and, and the heroes of, of the game. But I truly think, obviously, the the two biggest names in Texas football um, in, in, you know, recognizes the Heisman winners, right, uh, across different generations in Ricky Williams and Earl Campbell. I think the moment that they change that name at whatever ceremony that is, that's the thing I'm rooting the most for, there being fans in the stands, because I think that's going to be a really special moment for the, the history of the UT football program, and, and I hope to be there, you know, um, if, if we all can, and, and if that happens during a football season, which may or may not happen this year. But um, obviously, you know, sports is not the – the only uh, piece of this, but as a podcast that covers Longhorn sports, that uh, certainly is a piece of it that that is important to us. But um, yeah, like I, I mean, this is this is crazy. This is awesome. This is really great. I when we started this podcast, I did not think necessarily that you and I would have the opportunity to see these things, to talk about these things, um, and, and really just you know, a lot has happened we've come a long way in the what three years we've been doing this podcast. Um, you know, this is a big step. And and one thank you all for being here with us and listening to whatever innate thing inane things Kyle and I have to say, but uh, we really appreciate it. But on on that note, like there there is a football angle to it. The the players that were um, kind of saying that they would not participate in the non athletic things all seem to be fairly pleased with these changes. Demarvin Overshone, who we talked about last last week, said that he would not play until some changes were made. Tweeted out that he is pretty p- pleased with this and that it seems likely that he will continue to play. So there's a football angle to that as well, and we'll talk more about that as we get into the previews. But I think the thing for me is, like, I I can feel any kind of way about this, but as a 30-something man who's no longer on the campus, I I feel like I have to listen to the kids, and the kids are okay with it. And so I think I will follow their lead and continue to follow their lead throughout this process. And so with that, let's talk briefly about the hope for football in the fall. (laughs) Uh, and we'll try to keep this brief, but it is not looking great currently. So at the time of recording uh, Monday evening, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have already gone to conference-only scheduling in hopes of buying themselves an extra month to see if things get under control, uh, which impacts a pre a non-conference game 
between Cal and TCU and Texas Tech and Arizona. You'll hear more about that probably in our Thursday show. Uh, the Big Ten cancellation impacts Wisconsin and West Virginia. Uh, Nicole Auerbach of the of the Athletic said a couple of Power Five athletic directors asked me over the weekend why the Big 12, Ten and Pac-12 already scrapped games. Guaranteeing uniform testing is just one of the pieces of the non. Uh, conference decision. The other one is flexibility in terms of scheduling, getting rid of outside variables, which makes sense. On Monday, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey said to Paul Feinbaum, we have to see a change in public health trends to have an opportunity to compete this fall. The Ivy League has moved football to the spring. Patriot League has canceled fall sports. UNC and Ohio State have both paused voluntary workouts. Kyle, Let's let's take the Texas angle first because there's so much to talk about here. But how as Texas looks to build momentum going into 2020 and beyond, kind of trying to cement Tom Herman and the Tom Herman era as a as an era of note at the university, like conference only scheduling, I in my opinion would probably have a negative impact on Texas moving forward. And, and I feel like you probably agree. Yeah, I mean, they, they, obviously. That can be a long-term solution, right? I, I think you know if that is what we we have to do, there is something better than nothing, right? I, I, I let me say it this way: I was really looking forward to kicking the, the pants off of LSU, um, so so don't don't get rid of that one. Um, but you know, there are some teams that have a history of, of scheduling very weak teams outside of their conference and and, and can inflate. Um, you, you know they're they're how good they are right texas has has had taken an aggressive approach of scheduling really tough games or at least one really tough kind of marquee game outside of conference every year um which i think is great that texas has tested themselves because i mean really like if tom herman's experiment is is working and, and the talent level stays the same at texas in the future um texas should talent wise and and you know coaching not going pear-shaped wise really be competing every single year with OU and potentially whatever third wild card you want to throw in if it's Baylor one year or TCU or, or Oklahoma State maybe you know it, it should it should be a three or let's say four at most um, kind of team equation where Texas is one of those shortlists right and so playing only your conference um, makes each of those games so much more vital and crucial. And there's kind of an element of, that oh, that's cool. You know, you get the, the rivalries build for every Big 12 team, right? It, it ratchets it up to, to 11 each each week. You know, I think already having a short number of uh, games is how NFL players say each game matters, right? Or, or, you know, NFL and college fans say each game matters. I understand that. But this is like hyper matters. But, I mean, it loses some of the, like, the, the, the beauty of it. Again, like all this is caveated and just give me football however i can get it if it's if it's no fans in the stands all right that's better if it's conference only you, you can't travel over x amount of miles all right fine that's what it is if it's in the spring okay but like whatever we have to do to protect college football and make it uh make it happen like I, i'm just here for it i just don't want to go a year of my life without college football and i mean obviously we could talk about the impact that that might have uh to this texas team with a lot of really really good players who were kind of um looking for this year to be a showcase for the nfl draft we weren't you know we had a decent nfl draft this year but we were really looking towards next year's nfl draft as a chance when both seniors and some under underclassmen who really had a, a chance to prove themselves this year could make themselves some money so there's some big um 
implications to whether they come back if this year's fully scrapped or not and all those kind of things but i mean ultimately i think my my thesis here is fingers crossed please let us play football yeah and i think the i think the honestly the game that would I think hurt Texas, not the most in this, but I think would have kind of a national impact is that LSU game, right? If And, yeah. and there's talk that the SEC commissioners are also looking at how do we keep one non-conference game. So I think the LSU-Texas game would probably be the one that they would keep. Uh, but, like, as Texas looks to kind of rebound and reestablish and kind of recover from the struggles of last year and, and you know, making that making the – 2018 season not look like an aberration like going into going to LSU and coming away with a win would do a lot right Mm -hmm. on recruiting and the national conversation about Mm -hmm. Texas like going into Death Valley and coming out with a win at night is not something a lot of people do and so I think it'll be interesting to see how that shapes up Uh, but I think that would be the big because I mean if the big if the Big Twelve is going to happen, the Big Twelve happens regardless, right? You'll play the eight other teams, and then the top two teams will play again in Jerry World, probably not in front of anybody, but they'll play in Jerry World, and they'll be able to crown a Big Twelve champion. Uh, so I, I don't think that impacts a ton, but I really do think it's a uh, the the non conference scheduling I think would be more. Uh, impactful to Texas specifically for that LSU game because recruiting again if yeah. you go into Death Valley and win by two scores like hey that was an aberration last year like this is what the standard is right you can recruit on that you can change the national conversation you can get eyes from a gosh darn wide receiver in this 2020 class right hopefully something happens something breaks <laughs> and we'll talk to Mike Roach about that at some point but like I think that to me is probably a a big not a bigger deal and again in the grand scheme of things Football doesn't matter. Like compared yeah. to people's lives, Correct. football Correct. does not matter. But as we we're a sports podcast, so as we talk about the sports aspect of it, like that the non conference game against LSU specifically is the one that that would hurt the most uh, if if it's lost. That, that, yeah, I agree completely with that. And you alluded a little bit to how it changes the overall landscape. I think just the fact that you think back to you know our parents or even grandparents kind of era of of college football was very different, right? It was very regional. I mean, you think of the intense Southwest Conference kind of rivalries, and you you, you know you, you you drove down the road, and the whole school got in buses and, and cars and caravan two hours away to play the Aggies or Baylor or Rice or whoever, right? And it really was this regional thing, you know, college football was a regional sport you weren't traveling you know if you went all the way to california to play in the rose bowl that was a big deal that was your vacation for the year you know that was that was a a big thing um you know now we you know make trips to south bend just you know in the preseason or you know they i love that going to alabama in a couple years i love that It, it is it makes as a fan, right? This is what college football video games were great for. It makes these marquee matchups more frequent. It's not just a bowl game. It's not just the playoffs. It's not just a national championship. It, it makes it more frequent. But yeah, this kind of kicks it old school, right? If we if we go to just a uh, a localized, hyper localized model, if that is the solution. But it's funny you were talking about the SEC commissioner. Um, I, I have family, like I said, in the in the southeast, and. Um, you know, it, it, it's. I think they had fifteen thousand new cases in Florida on like Saturday or Sunday um, this past weekend. Like, it, it's it's not obviously Texas. We're not bragging. We're we're not doing great. But you know, the places where college football is played um, are the places that this thing is 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 not going down right now. Um, so if if I'm making decisions about health, um, you're not helping Texas, California, Georgia, Florida. 
SEC at whole. Basically, if you look at a map, the only places where this thing's going down or say wherever, uh, they don't play a lot of football um, or they don't, you know, at the college level right now. I, I think Michigan might might be the outlier to that. But um, it's neither here nor there. But, yeah, it's, you know, it, what can you do as a fan under the sound of my voice listening to this podcast? Uh, you could stay inside, wear a mask, and, and, and be, you know, careful and just, you know, at worst follow the guidelines that, that you know, the, the government has, has given for being safe. Like, do your part. Maybe you could get one less person sick and we can get this thing over, you know, in time to actually play it. I don't know. So we'll continue to be hopeful that football will happen. We'll continue to to conduct ourselves as a football is happening on September 5th until told otherwise. And so we are, uh, again, we'll have another preview on Thursday. We have uh, the the wonderful Albie Shore from Viva the Matadors to talk about Texas Tech. Uh, so we will continue to assume college football is happening until we are told otherwise. And so now we go to the part of the show where we do our random news dump and We'll actually give some shine to a sport that doesn't get much shine today, and we'll down the 40. But we start with football, a couple of quick injury news. Uh, linebacker Prince Dorba and deep snapper Justin Mater both went underwent arthroscopic knee surgery on Monday. Uh, both are expected to return at some point, was the quote from the press release during fall camp. And then uh, Joseph Osai and Caden Stearns were both named to the Chuck Benarek Award watch list, which is given to the top defensive player of the year each and every year uh yeah i mean it, it it's fun to to talk about awards like there's going to be a season and we just talked about the reasons there may not be but this gives us hope right we know who, who who has a lot on the on the line i think um specifically for that one i did not realize until i was doing research before the show that texas while having many finalists has never won had a benaric uh, award winner they've had players win other best defensive player in the country awards but never the benaric so we got to have a football season just this year so that Joseph Osai can bring that thing home. Or Stearns. Please, please prove me wrong, Caden Stearns. Get about 120 tackles and, and nine interceptions and take that thing uh, your own self. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 I would I would love to see that. And just on the other news there, I'm, I'm really hoping Dorba comes back. Because, uh, as we've said, linebackers. Um, Texas likes, to, likes to, to make us worry about them. I don't know what else to say other than, yeah, I'm terrified. So baseball continuing to make some roster moves. Um, we got to talk about Cam Fields, who's a, who's a guy who we both enjoyed playing, but uh, decided to take a graduate transfer and will be taking his talents uh, to Texas Southern University and kind of uh, going. He one of the things he noted is that it's a historically black university, so he'll be going there to play uh, his final year of baseball and pursue, I believe, an MBA uh, or a master's degree in and of itself. Yeah, I mean, great for him. He's going to Texas Southern. I have a cousin who actually plays on on that team, so I uh, I will be keeping up because I try to keep an eye on their schedule. Anyways, but keeping up with Cam uh, via via Dean uh, over there at TSU. But uh, they're in my hometown, so uh, I'll try to catch a game. I don't know if UT baseball scheduled to play Texas Southern. Went to that game last year when it was in Houston. So um, good on you, Cam Fields. Uh, wishing success in your future. Uh, we already talked about one of these last year, but uh, it's official that Texas added two graduate transfers. We talked about Mike Antico last week, the uh, former All-Big East player of the year. But they also added right-handed pitcher Palmer, Palmer Wenzel from UTSA, had 34 career appearances, 11 decisions, went 9-2 and two in those, a 2.96 ERA, striking out 60 batters in 70 innings. So some good work for uh, Brother Wenzel down in San Antonio. Yeah, I think during the shortened season, he pitched uh, not a 
ton. I think he had like you know less than ten innings, um, but he had a zero point zero zero ERA. I like to see that. Um, you know, that's that's uh, that's good. You know, let's 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 keep zeros on the board and let's keep our bullpen deep. Absolutely. So speaking of deep bullpens, twenty twenty one pitcher, my favorite name I've seen all week, LeBaron Johnson from Paxson High School in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, committed to the University of Texas in his junior season. He had eight decisions. Again, that was a shortened season because of everything going on in the world. But had a one five four ERA, seventy four strikeouts, and forty one innings of work. He's the number one sixty recruit in the country. I love that. I also am gonna love shouting LeBaron Johnson. Um, very close to that LeBron James video. Um, no, he's. Uh, I, we will come up with great uh, nicknames and, and ways to say his name, but uh, looks like a good one. And because we are the internet's only Texas Longhorns tennis podcast, we'd have to talk about the biggest news of the week. I think Anna Tarati announced that she will return for another season. She's getting an extra year of eligibility because of everything that happened. The quote is incredible. Longhorn Nation. I've decided to come back for uh, to Austin for my senior season in 2021. I couldn't accept the fact that the coronavirus took away my last season as a Longhorn, so I wanted to end my college career on my own terms. Gerald, I think we have made very clear on this show, you can never have enough Taratis. Uh, you know, you can never have enough Maseratis. You can never have enough Taratis. Uh, you know, it... it Come on. This is great. I'm so excited. I, I, we will be making uh, additional Italian tennis jokes, which is which is which is huge for me. I mean, this is uh, this is a woman who's gone 94 and 16 in three and a half seasons with Texas. Uh, you should be shouting for joy. This is great news. There is a direct correlation between the number of Tarotis and the quality of tennis played at the University of Texas. And so two means that much better tennis. That's I mean. I, I, I will just say this. Uh, there's, uh, We're both, or I guess I, I don't know about you anymore. Uh, I am a Spurs fan. When Marco Bellinelli, Italian sharpshooter, plays for uh, plays for the Spurs, the the uh, sportscaster will often give a mamma mia when he nails a three, which is super cheesy, but I love it. Uh, maybe I, I just need to start giving Tarati updates with a mamma mia. So, folks, you have some things to look forward to. Oh, that is a great warning. Thank you for that, Kyle. <laughs> but that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Birthday, and we bang the drum. Brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? <laughs> I'm banging the drum on one of my favorite ecosystems to emerge during this crazy time we find ourselves in. Um, Gerald, l- well, let me ask you this real quick, Gerald. What's the single best Twitter account on www.twitter.com? Other than Longhorn Pod. Uh, no, that's the one. That's okay. It. Oh, well, okay, what's your second best? I guess I'll, that's fine. You can. I was going to say my own, but no, that's fine. That's great. Okay, but Longhorn, obviously, Longhorn Pod is is uh, is the, the the greatest. But if you're looking for the thing that you should be following today, pause this podcast, go to your Twitter app, download Twitter, and, and follow. You should be following at uh, NBA Bubble Life. So if that doesn't sound like anything to you, then, then allow me to educate you just, just a smidge, right? So sports are trying to come back. We've talked about it a lot here during the midst of COVID-19. Um, the NBA has come up with a clever and creative solution for doing that. We referenced it on the show before, but basically they're trying to condense the end of the season in the playoffs. Um, 
there's kind of an A bracket. They at one point talked about an NIT version uh, for the the losers who are outside of this uh, scope. And I shouldn't say that because NIT obviously is the premier college basketball tournament. But for the play, the teams that did not make it, so they could still you know get in meaningful games, I guess. But what the bubble is is the eight playoff teams plus or minus the teams that have a chance of of getting in the playoffs. So just you know, the end of the season races you want to watch anyways. And they took all of these guys and put them in a bubble. Um, literally, the campus, I think at one point people were trying to call it. But this is the bubble. This is the NBA bubble. They basically are playing games in in various parts of Disney World. Um, all the NBA players are sequestered to Orlando, which not the greatest place to be for the, the Rona. Um, but uh, inside the bubble, you're okay. And in fact, there's very strict rules on, on you can't leave the bubble or you go into quarantine. I don't want to talk about the technicalities of the bubble or the hardwoods being, you know, indoors with carpet underneath them and how that's could be interesting or anything. I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about how stinking ridiculous this is. I I ran track in high school just for the culture of track meets. It's basically unsupervised time with your friends with some loose structure to it where you run one race. For me, I was not a distance runner for that, you know, takes anywhere from two to three minutes and then you go back and you hang out with your friends under the bleachers almost entirely unsupervised you get to hang out with people from other teams you do whatever this is basically what's happening it's an aau tournament style it is basically summer camp for these you know pampered spoiled millionaires who who you know are, are used to a certain way of life and then they're thrown with basically like motel six level um buffet food and no access to outside people not their own families not Maybe the extracurricular families that they make uh, in various NBA cities along the road. Some entanglements, perhaps. Indeed, there is some 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 entanglements. NBA culture is rife um, with you know uh, meeting ladies on the road or going and, and helping them pay for college at whatever establishments they work uh, between the hours of eleven thirty and three a.m. But none of that exists inside the bubble. So these guys have to entertain themselves. And by God, it's amazing. Some of them are playing golf. JJ Reddick um, played some golf. Actually, he's one of the more famous bubble posts. He uh, said, I think that if, you know, whatever tweet of his got 10,000 retweets, he would shotgun a Bud Light. And true to form, uh, yesterday, well, I guess when you're listening to this, two days on Sunday, uh, JJ Reddick posted a, a photo of himself in, um, you know, those uh, European style Capri pants, a black Adidas t-shirt, and sitting in in an ice bath kiddie pool shotgunning a Bud Light. Uh, that's the type of stuff that is like Twitter era sports fandom is made for, right? Twitter is dumb. It's stupid. There's a lot of bad that comes with it. But this is the joy that is restoring my faith. It's literally like these these kids who you're getting access to their lives. And, and, and I should say kids. They're obviously some veterans. Uh, you know, you have 30-year-olds and everything. Really old. Um, but these young people who just like, this is fun for them. This is different. This is weird. This is wild. And all of the shenanigans they're getting up to. And, of course, I couldn't give this on the Longhorn podcast without a Longhorn tie-in. Um, Gerald had referenced it earlier. Obviously, the, the the multiple, multiple, multiple pairs of shoes that P.J. Tucker, all 20-plus of them, uh, that came 60. with him into... 60. I'm sorry. 60 of them that came with him into the bubble. Also, Gerald, do you know how many inches his TV was? Uh, I do not. 85 inches. So PJ Tucker moved into one of the resort rooms at the you know uh, Disney World uh, Resort in Orlando, Florida. Saw the TV and said, "Nah, I'm gonna be here for a couple months." 
bring my TV in, uh, installed an 85-incher on the TV because the man just drips and in, in, in absolutely uh, exudes swag at all times in his life. But, I mean, it's just amazing. Um Watching these players who are social media savvy, just just posting various tweets. They have different players on their rooftops. One guy is the DJ, uh, rotating DJs for different teams, uh, competing DJs against different teams. But they're, I mean, they're basically like some version of of civilization where they each have a piece of the map of this thing. But surely, I guarantee you, they are having raids going into other parts of said map. And, and there was a, a rumor um, of of who it was that that was the first to get caught by uh, an Instagram model who posted that it, you know in one day she had been invited um, our own Mo Bamba uh, chimed in and thought that he th- or j- joked that he, he thought it was uh, Donovan Mitchell I, not my words that's uh, NBA superstar Mo Bamba and by the way if we could say one thing from a Longhorn perspective that you take away from the NBA hiatus and into the, bu- the bubble it's that guys we're, we're all in this quarantine guys and gals together we have choices that we're making about how we're living our life Live our lives the way that Mo Bamba has. I don't know if he's eaten any food that wasn't, you know, specifically muscle milk. But the dude does not look like the Mo Bamba you remember donning the burnt orange. He looks like an absolute jacked, like, Giannis, you know, uh, WWE superstar looking gentleman. Um, Mo Bamba no longer, uh, you know, just a, a, a rap uh signature he he is also a a verifiable force if his additional 30 plus pounds of muscle that he is carrying on him uh proved to be true so tune in for the for the culture tune in for the longhorns there are a couple of them there obviously we talked about avery bradley kevin durant not there marcus aldridge is rehabbing but there are some longhorns and ultimately just tune in for some smiles because the nba bubble is is just fire and you all should be following along uh, so while we were recording, PJ Tucker posted a video and it ended up on NBA Bubble of his dinner tonight, which is steak, lobster, and mac and cheese. So he's definitely living the good life. So I'm going to bang a shorter drum this week <laughs> on uh, Pro Football Focus. I, I love the advanced stats that they do, and you can have an argument about it. But they did a, they looked at the Big 12 and looked at the highest graded returning pass blocking Units and so based on last year's grades and all of that, uh, they ranked the top the top teams in the conference, and Texas came out on top of the returning pass blocking folks with a ninety point one grade. The next school on the list were the OU Sooners at seventy three point seven. Now that doesn't mean a ton, but I think it just speaks to the fact that if football happens this year. I really think the passing game is going to be something that we have not seen at the University of Texas before. An offensive line that can hold pass protection and give Sam some time. Uh, Sam Ellinger as a senior and Mike Yersich doing what Mike Yersich does as an offensive coordinator, really opening things up. You add in Roshan Johnson, Keontae Ingram, Bijan Robinson at running back, uh, Jordan Whittington moving to slot, Jake Smith, uh, Brennan Eagles potentially playing this year now that things have happened at the university. So, like, this could be a really, really special year for the University of Texas through the air. Um, and I, you, I've talked about how Sam Ellinger would need like a Colt McCoy record-setting year to put his name in the conversation with Colt McCoy. And it again, if football happens this year, that could very well happen with the way the stars are aligning. And I'm excited to see it, and I'm hopeful that we will get to see it if football happens in the fall. 
You and me both, Gerald. You and me both. The uh, Ellen God. This is his year. If for nothing else, have football so that Sam Ellinger can be this year's Joe Burrow. Come on, Let's do it. Except Let's he'll do it. just he'll 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 just be Sam Ellinger. But that's all we've got for you this week, Kyle. Where can good folks find you on the internet? You can find me at NBA Bubble, uh, NBA Bubble Life, I should say. Uh, you can also find me at. Kyle Carpenter. You can follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. You can catch me on my other podcast, Two Woke Nerds, where we talk movies and comics and video games and all that fun stuff. You can catch me there. I thank you guys so much for tuning in again this weekend. Until next time, hook them. Hook them. Sorry to my wife that I'm only on